you know, every once in a while I come across some research, I come across a book, et cetera, that I think makes a terrific difference. And that's what I'm dealing with today. I'm so excited to have the author of Cobalt Red, How the Blood from the Congo Powers Our Lives. Incredible stuff. Siddharth Kara is the author, researcher, uh, an activist on modern slavery. I mean, the resume is too long. We don't have any time at all for a <laughs> for an interview, but I've got to just tell you this. He's British Academy Global Professor, Associate Professor of Human Trafficking and Modern Slavery at Nottingham University. He lectures elsewhere. Uh, he's also authored three other books on modern slavery. He's won prizes for them. Uh, the first book, I think, was turned into a Hollywood movie, Trafficked. Uh, the list is a long one. I'm just so pleased, Siddharth, that you're finding time for us here on this very important subject. Oh, thank you very much for the invitation. Have you been blown away by what a revelation it has been? I mean, I'm thinking back quite a few years. I think it was Amnesty International in 2016 was talking about this, you know, that tied companies, American companies. I mean, off the top of my head, I think it was Apple, you know, exploiting mined cobalt. We knew that child labor was involved, but it seems like only thanks to your efforts, this has hit sort of the headlines. It has indeed uh, reached a wider audience. Cobalt read uh, my book, um, but you're quite right. There were NGOs, journalists uh, talking about this issue several years ago. In fact, that's what got my attention initially. Uh, my first trip was in 2018 uh, to the Congo. Um, and it's um, the fact of the matter is the companies atop the chain have known about this for many, many years. There's been quite a bit of effort to obscure these conditions from the public or to just explain them away or deny them. And my hope is that Cobalt Red uh, will serve uh, to bring the voices from the Congo, the truth on the ground, out into a world that has no idea what's happening. Uh, let's give a tiny bit of background here, and that's the importance of cobalt. How much is coming out of the Congo? What do we use it for when you say, uh, you know, that it's basically powering our lives? Let's just give a little bit of background on that side. Yeah, so people like you and me and probably just about everyone listening to our conversation cannot function for 24 hours without cobalt. Cobalt is used in the manufacture of almost every lithium-ion rechargeable battery made today. So every smartphone, tablet, laptop, e-scooter, e-bike, e-anything, and crucially electric vehicles has cobalt in the battery. And about three-fourths Three-fourths of the world's supply of cobalt is mined in the Congo, so uh, and mined in utterly horrific conditions, utterly appalling conditions, and degrading conditions. So we can't function without cobalt, and almost all the cobalt is coming from horrific conditions in the Congo. Uh, let's elaborate, because one of the other things that you did that was, um, I thought, brilliant in the book was... I mean, you went, not not only went there, you went to areas that were dangerous. You went right to, I mean, I'm sure the, the whole task wasn't very popular, but was dangerous to you personally. Uh, and I want you just to describe further the conditions that these things are taking place, that the mining is taking place in. Yeah, so I went to the mining provinces of the Congo, southeastern part of the country, many times. Uh, and it's a hellscape. Uh, it's a very violent area, uh, heavily militarized uh, uh, with the army, uh, as well as roving militias. Uh, mining companies have just destroyed the environment. They're just enormous open pit mines. As far as the eye can see, millions of trees have been clear cut. Toxic uh, mining effluents are dumped in the air and the earth. There's just a haze and a grit everywhere you go. There's this 
bitter taste in your mouth, your eyes burn. The people living there are being poisoned every day by this mining activity. And so add to that that there are hundreds of thousands of people, grindingly poor people, including tens of thousands of children, caked in filth and grit. Uh, in trenches and pits, scrounging out cobalt with pickaxes and sometimes even their bare hands to feed it up the chain into our batteries and cars. Yes, as you say, and I, I just was thinking as you were speaking there, uh, when we post this, uh, I'll also post some pictures that, uh, you know, that sort of display this because it's one of those, you have to see it to, to believe it. I, I think for a lot of people that to understand that children and others are working in these conditions is actually unbelievable to them. They never consider it. They never can imagine how horrific the conditions are. You know, that's right. Uh, it is. It's when I first stepped foot there uh, and every time after when I went, it was like I was going back two centuries in time to some period of, of colonial a degradation where the people of Africa were just treated like subhumans. Uh, and, and that's exactly what's happening at the bottom of cobalt supply chains. Um, it's an appalling display of callous disregard for the humanity of the people who live there uh, and the preservation of their environment. You see, we're transitioning to this green future, especially with the use of electric vehicles to, to achieve climate sustainability goals. But it is in large part through the destruction of the environment of the southeastern part of the Congo, quite apart from the people who are being destroyed because they live there. And as you say, it's been dismissed, it's been ignored, it's been passed uh, over. Let me just ask, I mean, I know it's a straightforward or simplistic question, but okay, someone says, no, but my cobalt's different, if you know what I mean. You know, some company says, yeah, but mine's different. Is that valid? I mean, is there something called clean cobalt out there? No, there's no such thing as clean cobalt from the Congo. And remember, that's where three-fourths of the world's supply comes from. Uh, that's a fiction. That's that's a marketing concoction by tech and EV companies to make you not pay attention or look the other way and buy the next gadget and car and keep boosting their quarterly profits. Any company that claims their supply of cobalt uh, is untainted by these uh, horrific abuses and environmental destruction in the Congo is either dealing in falsehood or recklessly ignorant of the truth. The truth is there for them to see. I dare say none of these companies have ever even sent a single employee to the Congo to see the conditions for themselves under which their cobalt is being mined. So no, uh, before the cobalt ever leaves the Congo, it is already caked in misery, child labor, forced labor, hazardous conditions, injury, death, and environmental destruction. I mean, my, one of my goals here today is I want people to read the book Cobalt Red uh, because I think it's, you know, you've just mentioned it, but, you know, we want an EV revolution. Well, there's no revolution. There's no environmental gain if we don't address this issue now. You know, I mean, the timeline has always been unrealistic uh, because of issues like this. But uh, this is one that I'm just wondering, you know, you've been the most prominent spokesperson here, as you say. Yeah, we've heard about these things, but most people ignored them. But you went on Joe Rogan, for example, super popular podcast, although I hear he envies money. I'm just kidding. But super popular, Joe Rogan. And it was a revelation to him. You've been in the New York Times. You've been in the L.A. Times. Uh, you know, it's cross. Are you seeing any change from that, though? Uh, are you getting any admissions? Uh, have you noticed any admissions uh, from major companies who really are supporting this? 
Well, not yet. Uh, the book's been out a couple of weeks. Yes. Uh, thankfully, it's gotten a lot of attention, um, uh, which to me is a triumph for the people of the Congo. It means their voices are being heard. Their truth is being experienced by a, a world that cannot function without their suffering. Uh, now we'll see. That's phase one. Flood the world with this truth uh, and this reality. And then phase two will be, well, what are the stakeholders going to do about it? And I think people yeah. of conscience will demand that they accept responsibility for what's happening in the Congo, that they don't just uh, charge forward with all these climate sustainability goals and transition to EVs at the expense of the degradation and destruction of the people of the Congo. That has to be addressed. That has to be sorted out. Uh, that will be the next phase of things. And I believe there is a growing community of conscience around the world, people who are learning this truth who do not want to participate in this violence and will uh, demand accountability from companies and governments to address these injustices. I might add, by the way, the book's, uh, you know, freshly out, and we talked about it earlier on this show, but uh, it's a New York Times bestseller already. You know, <laughs> that's that to me is, I found that heartening because that meant people are interested, you know. That's exactly so right. Congratulations on that. It's a, It's already a New York Times bestseller. And as I say, my goal here is to get people to look at it, to increase their own understanding of what's going. Uh, a couple more things here. Uh, child labor, can you just elaborate on that? I mean, that's something that people, you know, recoil against. And yet here it is prominent and been well documented up to this point. Yeah, quite right. I mean, every tech and EV company will tell you they have zero tolerance policies on child labor in their mineral supply chains. And yet there are tens of thousands of children as young as six years old. Uh, I mean, these are kindergarten age children that we, if you think about our communities, first graders caked in toxic filth and grime, uh, scrounging on their hands uh, and knees to pull cobalt out of the ground and, and for a dollar a day. Uh, now, for them, that's the difference between eating or not. Um, but, you know, they, they dig that uh, out of the ground. Cobalt is toxic to touch and breathe. There are young women with babies on their backs inhaling this toxic cobalt day in and day out, suffering untold damage to their health and well-being in this scramble. Because there's such a scramble to get all these cars sold, all these EVs sold. Uh, and of course, you know, we've been made fools of that we have to upgrade our gadgets every time there's a new model. So that's just demand, more demand, cobalt, cobalt, cobalt. And it comes at this enormous cost to the people and especially the children in the Congo. Uh, just horrendous. Uh, can you outline the, the role that the Chinese government or the Chinese mining companies play? Because they're in huge level of control there. Absolutely. Uh, Chinese, the Chinese government cornered the global cobalt market before anyone knew what was happening. Uh, they saw what the future was. Uh, and back in 2009, they started swooping in and taking control of uh, mining uh, concessions uh, in the Congo. And so they control uh, 15 of the 19 big mining concessions in mm. the Congo. They are the chief buyers of all the child labor cobalt that's dug out of the ground. That flows through their supply chain up to mainland China for refining, and they produce about 70 to 80 percent of the world's refined cobalt. So they dominate mining production on the ground. They are the chief buyers of child slave mine cobalt. They refine most of the cobalt and they make half the batteries that are used in the phones and cars. And everybody, when I say everybody, the companies that sell us the phones and cars, they know this. 
they know who they're in business with, they know the conditions that are happening on the ground, and they just look the other way because of the scramble to keep charging forward with selling us gadgets and cars. Well, I would think, and again, what you've exposed also in the book, uh, you know, Cobalt Red is, again, I'm back to the child because that's what people sort of may have a pretense. They really care. Not that they don't care about other conditions, but you're talking, as you say, you know, a grade one student equivalent, you know, working in these conditions. Uh, I'm just amazed that so little has been uh, responded to. And I guess maybe I shouldn't hold out hope that the Chinese are going to do that. Look at their own human rights record. You go to Xinjiang province, et cetera, which of course you're well aware of having done so much work on modern slavery. But at the same time, so it comes back to the consumer, I would suspect, if we do want meaningful change. Uh, We are a crucial part of uh, future efforts to uh, address these injustices because you see you and I and everyone listening, we have been made unwitting participants in an enormous violence against the people and earth of the Congo. When you and I buy a phone, we don't we don't have the intention of buying a phone caked in the suffering of Congolese children. Uh, when we buy an electric vehicle, we think we're making a green choice to help save the environment. We don't think we're destroying the environment of the Congo and bringing violence and suffering, injury and death to the people of Africa. Uh, do they count less? Is their environment worth less? Um, uh, so we've been made unwitting participants in this utter hypocrisy this moral reversion back to colonial times when somehow Africa, Africans and their world were simply to be pillaged and plundered. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we have to demand, we have to demand that companies not make us accomplices in this immoral injustice. I mean, what kind of supply chain, what kind of economy transforms the degradation of Congolese children into shiny gadgets and cars? Uh, that's what's I mean, at stake. I'm just sitting here, just shaking my head here. I just, sorry, aside, I'm not aware of them even discussing this kind of an issue, specifically, you know, cobalt, but other issues around it uh, at either like COP25, COP26, COP27. I'm, I'm losing I'm losing my uh, track of all the cops out there, but I, I'm not aware of them addressing this subject at all. No, I, the, 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 you know, the agenda, the eyes are only looking forward. Um, at this scramble to achieve sustainability goals. Fine, that's absolutely important. We all have a planet we need to save, but we can't save our environment by destroying theirs. Uh, We can't build our uh, rechargeable lives on the destruction of their lives. Um, And that's the injustice that is being perpetrated um, uh, by this current uh, uh, global economic order that somehow doesn't see or doesn't seem to think that the people of, uh, of Africa are worth the same as you and I, and that their environment is worth saving and protecting just like ours is. Well, and again, we have to insist that gets on the agenda. Uh, like we don't have to wait for another cop. I mean, they've been ineffective, but I'm saying uh, locally at home, we talk an awful lot about the EV revolution, for example, in Canada. And, uh, you know, this is not addressed, let alone, as, as you point out well in the book, it's all these other things that we do. I mean, you know, you, you can't have, uh, you know, a smartphone or a tablet or a laptop or whatever without uh, cobalt. So this is something that's got to get up the chain into a much higher level of attention. And of course, that's what the book's done to to begin with. But I'm just wondering, uh, to what degree is this just going to fade off? As I I mentioned, the Joe Rogan interview was was really well received, but also well covered. And 
but now what? You know, have you noticed uh, that it is being dismissed or the momentum is gaining in that way? And I mean, I know it's just anecdotal on your part, but what are you feeling about that? No, I, I think uh, uh, I think something is happening. I think a movement is being born. I think that a consciousness has been awakened that there's a there's an, a dark underbelly and an unjust underbelly to this scramble that we have at the top of the chain to lead these rechargeable lives and transition to electric vehicles. Um, fine. All of that should be done. It's important to do, but it cannot come at the cost and consequence and, and, and infliction of great violence against the people in Africa. So I think and I believe there is a movement that's being born. People of conscience have been stirred and awakened and will organize and push this forward and maybe introduce it on the world stage at the next COP whatever or the next World Economic Forum or even locally with mm-hmm. uh, local mandates about um, renewable energy and so on. That Wait a minute, um, how are we accounting for child slavery in Africa? Um, how can we get uh, achieve assurances that when we buy this electric car or when I upgrade my phone, I'm not contributing to this violence? Well, I, I can tell you, I rarely uh, feel this way about a book that, as I say, my goal is to get people to look at this. Because uh, if we can do any small part here, you've done a huge part. But talking about, we have to understand how it does power our lives, how all these gadgets, because you say we can't go 24 hours without them. Uh, Other aspects of that, like upgrading and all of that kind of stuff, we've got to address this issue. And uh, I just congratulate you wholeheartedly uh, for what you've done and continue to do to bring this forward. Uh, Cobalt Red is the name of the book, How the Blood of the Congo Powers Our Lives. Uh, Siddharth Kara, thank you so much for finding time for us. Thank you very much for inviting me to speak. Brilliant stuff.